Hi, my name is Alex Eaton, and this is the Fully Known and Fully Loved podcast. Uh, First episode, so this is exciting, and we have one of my favorite people here to join us, uh, Kristen Benton. We actually just met earlier this year before all the craziness in the world started, so uh, it's been a joy to get to know her, and I think you will love her. So, Kristen, let's just jump right into it. First, I would love for you to tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Hello, <laughs> my name is Kristen Benton, and um, let's see, where do I start? I am a mom of four kids. Um, I've got two boys that are 23 and 21 who are both married, a daughter that's 18, and uh, our youngest daughter who is 13. Uh, my husband and I have been married for 27 and a half years. We've lived here in Austin, Texas uh, since gosh, 1998. Um, And I am sort of a stay-at-home mom. I have three or four little side jobs that I do um, on top of just taking care of my family. So... Awesome. So that was the uh, that was the scripted version. So we're gonna we're gonna dive into the into the deep stuff because y'all know how I am. Um, not one for small talk, but we're just gonna jump right into it. So you've got a pretty interesting background. Um, I would love for you to tell everyone a little bit about your faith walk. Yeah. So I was um, raised in the church. Was raised uh, in the Lutheran Evangelical Lutheran Church. My dad is a pastor. Um, and I have, I have two brothers, and so the church has just always been a part of my life. Um, grew up going to youth group and um, being a volunteer, and um, so it, it just is ingrained in me. It was just part of, you know, our everyday. We, we were always in church on Sundays and most Wednesdays, and, um, but as far as my faith walk goes, even though that was very natural and just a part of, of my life, I also um, think because I was the, uh, the preacher's kid, um, never really was taught to know and understand what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus, how to look at Jesus as my friend. And so that was something I kind of came to on my own Um really as as my husband and I started trying to find the right church for us um was was suddenly put in a position of needing to give my testimony and I didn't even really know what that was and um and so it it caused me to really start to question well why do I believe and um what is the foundation of my faith and my although my parents had laid a great foundation for me um I I was in my 20s before I really started to understand what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus and, and how important it is to spend time with him every day. And um, and so my walk for the last 20 years has been just a journey of, of learning who I am in Christ and and um, what I have to offer and, and how to then give give that out and and also just recognizing that I'm never there that I'm I'm constantly there's something else that I can learn and something else that the Lord can show me and um and so then I've just made that part of my life to also um have that same relationship with other people so 
I love that. That's awesome. That's one of my, uh, my favorite things about you for sure is that, um, you are so wise and, um, your love for the Lord is so evident, but you are always open to, to learning and continuing to grow. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Um, would love to hear about, you know, what you're struggling with nowadays, because I think what's so interesting and one of the things that, um, I've learned from our conversations is that, you know, no matter how old we get, no matter what stage in life we are, especially as women, we, we could struggle with some of the same things. So I'd love to know, you know, what, um, what God is walking you through nowadays. Well, I think that just because of some things that happened in, in my younger days, my, my greatest struggle has always been, um, not only where I find my value, but do I have value and, and am I enough? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's a hard, it's hard for, I think, any person, especially women. Um, we have so many things out in the world telling us that if we haven't reached this or we don't have this that we need it or um, we should desire it. And um, what, I, what I have realized um, in my years of growth is that um, I have to be enough inside me before I can be enough to anyone else. And... Um, so that's just really probably my constant thing that I'm always working on. Um, I um, grew up with a pretty high shame level. Um, and and so guilt and shame has always kind of been my driver. And yet I worship a God that does not use guilt or shame um, to to, to teach us that that comes only from the enemy. And, um, so I, I think that that's also been the, the thing for me that I always want to try to teach others around me is that, um, you know, the, the Lord uses conviction, but not condemnation and guilt and shame come from a place of condemnation. Uh, and so, um, I don't know if that answered your question or not, but yes, <laughs> no, I love that. I think that's so good because, you know, like I said, um, you know, whether you're, um, my age or around your age or even older or younger, I think that that's something that, um, the world tells a lot of us and a lot of the lies that we believe about ourselves. And so I think that, you know, as we've talked about outside of this, that's really the work. Um, so this next one is uh, is kind of a big question, but along those same lines of, of vulnerability, what do you think keeps us from going there and talking about these things like guilt and shame, you know, in church, among small groups, even just among women's ministry? Um, I think that there is a constant... Um... Yeah, I just, I just was... I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, other podcasts lately, and and um, I recently was listening to a, a Bishop T.D. Jakes podcast where um, he, he kind of talked about um, how we all talk about grace, but nobody wants to talk about truth. And that it's time that we all be ready and prepared to tell the truth. And I think in the world right now, they want to the world wants to tell us that, well, my truth might be different from your truth. And yet, if, if that's the case, then what is truth? It, that completely invalidates what truth is. There, there really is only one truth. There might be different realities. There might be different perceptions. But 
um, we need to come to a place of understanding what what is the truth and and something that he said that just really really resonated with me is that um, within the church even we are he said everybody we're trying we're so busy trying to get everybody to be polite that we don't allow them to be honest mm-hmm. and i I think that as a church as a society, we need to be okay with allowing people to be transparent and and to be honest and um, it's a hard thing and I think the reason it's difficult is because in the back of our head we constantly have this um, this kind of dialogue going that that if I'm too honest or if I'm too transparent then they're not going to like me or um, they're not going to um, want to hear what I have to say and and then we have the other mantra going on of uh, does what I have to say have value mm. and um, I just feel like you, you have those two things just just again comes from a place of guilt and shame but um, do, we don't want to be transparent because we're afraid um, and yet um, the the thing that I have come to realize uh, the more I study and the and the older I get is that fear fear is a liar and that and that when we start operating from a place of fear, um, fear of what people might think of us or fear of what um, we have to say and, and does it have value, then then we lose our voice completely. And, and I think that that even goes to exactly what's going on in the world right now. Yeah, I think that's so good. I think that that's one of the things I love about you is that you're so transparent about your past because um, it you're not held captive by it anymore. You're free because of Jesus. And, um, I think it's funny because some of the most beautiful people and people I love spending the most time with are the most real. And I think that what I've found in my life is when I'm more real, people actually love me more too. Um, so that's something that, um, you know, I'd like to get across in this podcast. And that's why I wanted to, to kick off, uh, the podcast with Kristen. Um, so switching gears a little bit, um, just because we, we realized, and actually this, this is by no planning of ours. This is totally the Lord. Um, I realized that Kristen actually has, uh, something to talk about that is completely relevant to what's going on in today's culture. So, um, I'm just going to get straight to it. Uh, there's no easy way to say it, but, um, Kristen actually has a daughter that she adopted from Uganda. So, um, she is, she and her family are white and she's got a black daughter. Um, so I'm really excited to hear your perspective on that. Um, you know, with everything that's going on, what are your, this is a broad question, but what are your thoughts on everything? (laughs) Um, well, you know, like you said, I, my husband and I are both white and we have three white children and, Seven and a half years ago, we um, brought our our daughter home from Uganda. She was uh, almost six years old. Um, it it was truly the Lord that led us to her. It was not something that that we went out when when we felt the leading to adopt. It wasn't like we were like, oh, we want to adopt a black child. I'm not sure that anybody black, white, brown would would purposefully do that. Would say, I'm going to adopt somebody outside of my own race. It, it, That's funny that you say that because I've actually said that because I think it's the most beautiful picture of of God's kingdom and the way that He sees us. Yeah, and and we we love that we were led that direction, but we were truly led 
um, that way. Mm-hmm. And, and we were, we were led to Uganda. We were led to this child and, and that would be a whole nother podcast to kind of talk about that. But, um, suffice it to say that, uh, we have absolutely no doubt that from the the minute we said yes to God, mm-hmm. um, he already knew exactly who was, was meant to be added to our family. And so, um, but with, the, again, with that being said, we also I don't think had properly prepared ourselves for what that meant and what that looked like. We just knew yeah. that we were led to adopt this child. Um, I, I honestly never even really looked at her as a, as a black child. She just was our new daughter. And and she fits in so well. I looked at your family photos and she just, your family's so beautiful and perfect with her in it. it yeah, it, it definitely is. I, I can't imagine life without her and, and, um, but but one of the things that even I have come to realize is is even though I don't see her uh, as a black child, um, especially as she just turned thirteen and she's in um, middle school, she goes to a public middle school here in Austin. And um, something that I have realized is as all of this the the race issue has been so strong, especially the last couple of weeks, is uh, in, in trying to talk to to people about about this, this whole conversation. And, and honestly, especially people within the church, Mm -hmm. clearly everybody kind of has one opinion or the other. And I, and I don't think that I, I know anyone around me who, who would actively stand up and say, oh my gosh, yes, I'm racist. I don't, and I don't think that's the point of what is going on right now in the world. But I agree. But I think that what we do need to realize and what I can tell you from our own experience is that the fact of the matter is I have had to raise my black daughter completely different in this American society than I had to raise my three white kids. Mm -hmm. And so the bottom line is regardless of where you fall on the issue, do you, um, do you feel like, like white privilege is, is a thing or not? We, that's again, a whole nother podcast, but I can tell you from my experience as a white mom, I am having to teach my black daughter things and to raise her completely different because of the color of her skin for no other reason than the color of her skin. She has all the other same privileges, if that's um, what we want to call it, that my other three kids had. Mm -hmm. But in terms of teaching her how to handle herself, teaching her why things have happened, you know, why when, when we're going through the airport, did my husband and our other three kids pass through security with no issue, but my black daughter who, um, was in front of me, um, but after her siblings got stopped and, and got, I mean, at, at 12 years old, got frisked and, you know, started being asked questions. She has a, a, a middle name that is Arabic and, that we kept for her because it was given to her by her birth mother. And, and, you know, where did she get this name from and why was she given? I mean, just, you know, that's just one, one little thing. Trust me, we've had many, you know, she was told by a classmate that she couldn't come over to our house to play because white girls don't play with black girls. Oh my goodness gracious. You know, I mean, there's just, there's things that just, I can tell you, regardless of where you stand on the issue, those things should not be happening in today's world. That's and, crazy. Um, and, and so that's where I'm having to start from is this place of, yeah. of recognizing that, um, 
you know, no matter where you stand, I am having to raise my black daughter differently than I had to raise my white kids. And, mm-hmm. and that should not be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I know it's a lot bigger than that. And, and I can't really speak into that, but that is where I'm trying to come from is, um, I want to, to be a bridge to try to understand why this is happening mm-hmm. and how we all have a part to play. Um, as believers, um, that's the bottom line is that we all have a part to play and we all have a difference to make in the lives of, of our, um, brown and black neighbors around Mm -hmm. us. And, um, I, I think that the issue clearly is bigger than, than just our black neighbors. And that's important to see too, is that it's from all sides. Um, and, and right now we are specifically speaking to the, the black lives, but, uh, we, we all have a difference to make and we all, and I think that's what we need to be doing is we need to be listening and learning, um, being willing to have the difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that I have found interesting in all of this is people are very comfortable responding to a Facebook post or um, to, to any kind of social media post. But when I then reach out and say, hey, I'd love to sit down and have a conversation with you over a cup of coffee, it's like crickets chirping. Nobody. Are you serious? You yeah. You reach out to people? Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to. Even within the church? Yeah. Wow. That is. Yeah. And it, it's just people don't want to be com- uncomfortable. Um, they don't. Keyboard warriors. Yeah. Keyboard warriors. They'll say anything behind the protection of a, of a screen yeah. and a keyboard. But then when you actually have to sit down and and check your pride at the door yeah and be be aware of your defensiveness mm-hmm. um you and i've talked before that uh defensiveness is a protection mechanism mm-hmm. not necessarily bad protection mechanism right sometimes it, it can be for a very good purpose but um i think when it becomes bad is when you allow your defensiveness to stop you from actually figuring out why you're being defensive. What, what is it? Um, and, and are you, are you defending something of value or are you, I love that. Can you say that again? That's one of my favorite (laughs) things that you've said today. Are you defending something of value? Mm -hmm. So when you find yourself being defensive, I think regardless of, of, does it have anything to do with race? Does it have to do with you know, your own upbringing, it doesn't really matter what, what it is, but when you find yourself in a place of defensiveness, stopping and pausing and, and thinking to yourself, what am I defending? Mm-hmm. And am I defending something that has value or am I defending something because I don't want to be uncomfortable? Am I defending something because it scares me? Um, or because I just have all these years, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, that's to the point of, um, I I know a lot of people kind of get upset when you use the term white privilege. And I I think the key is nobody's intending that to be a bad word. Um, I'm, if I, if I were to say, it's not coming from a place of blame. No, if I were to say, check your white privilege, I'm not, I'm not calling you a, a (laughs) bad word. I think it's going to become a cold phrase (laughs) in 2020. I, you know, I just, I just think that we all need to um, just, just think about what are we defending and, and is what we're defending, val- does it have value um, in the church and, you know, biblically? 
um, again, going back to that, that TD Jakes, we're so busy um, trying to make sure that everybody is, is polite that no, we don't offend anybody. Yeah, that we don't offend yes. anybody. That we've lost the ability to be honest and and to allow um, people to to be real. And um, I think that especially where where this this race card or or whatever's going on right now is is concerned. I think it, sometimes it 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 starts by possibly saying the wrong thing. Yes. Being willing to say the wrong thing, uh, and, and learn from it, mm-hmm. and and correct it, uh, as opposed to not saying anything. And I think for hundreds of years, white people have not said anything, and it's time for us as a church um, to stand up and be willing to possibly say the wrong thing and learn from it, than to continue to be silent. Or we've said things that I think are cop outs. Yes. <laughs> You know, really easy blanket statements that don't force us to dig deeper and really look at anything of substance. Completely. Yep. Agree. I love that. Well, um, I don't love that that you've had to raise a daughter like that, but I think that that is just so good for everybody to hear because we live in a in a really um, you know nice nice city. Austin is great. Um, I I would say it's fairly diverse. Oh, yeah. You know, Very. especially nowadays um in recent years, but you know, it's still racism is still very much out there um and that's again a whole nother podcast that we could do and neither of us are experts on that. Um so I I want to move on to um back back to her upbringing and um really just, you know, what you've learned at this point in life. So I guess if you could go back and tell your younger self um, something or maybe just a couple pieces of wisdom, um, what would you say? It's kind of a loaded question. I know. Um, <laughs> I I honestly have, have really just in the past month, especially, well, a couple months, I guess, with quarantine, um, I've learned in my older age <laughs> to walk into every situation to, to take every situation and, and not ask why. Um, I probably need to give a little bit of background in this. When I was 28 years old, I was uh, diagnosed with cancer, um, had been married for seven years and our boys, our first two born were, um, 18 months and three years old. And everybody around me was asking why. Why is this happening to Kristen? She's healthy. She was strong. Oh, that's um, unhelpful. It kind of came out of nowhere. And, yeah. and yet somehow I was in a place of knowing I didn't need to ask why, but I needed to ask what, what I could do with this and who could I encourage so and who could I influence through this experience. Because why isn't helpful? No, it's, it's not. And, and it's, um, it's not an answer that we will ever receive really for anything this side of heaven. And maybe um, not even on the other not side. Not even on the other side, but on the we other side, we're not going to, exactly, <laughs> we won't care. Um, but I, I think that, that that experience did lead, it was the beginning of, of an opening for me um, to, to learn what I had to offer and how could I use my own experiences to influence others because I feel like every situation that we're put into um it there's there's somebody watching yes and there's somebody that is going to kind of 
see, well, how's she going to handle this? And, yes. And um, so, so I don't, I don't enter into it with a, oh my gosh, somebody's watching me. I better not mess up. But I enter into it in, in a way of, um, well, what do I have to offer here? And, and how, um, how can I influence someone else through, through my walk and, of where we were what were you asking me oh about? that's okay no that's that's how these things go I think it's pretty pretty uh par for the course uh you so told the, me I couldn't take notes and so now I'm I like, know I know oh. I'm so mean um so the question was just about you know what would you tell your younger self so, so I think you were getting there yeah I was getting there so okay so um through through that experience and then through um just so many other things uh, the adoption and you know, the difficulty of, of being able to bring our daughter home. And, um, how many years after cancer did you bring hope home? So, uh, let's see, I had cancer in 2000, um, three months into my remission from cancer, we found out we were expecting our third child, which was not something we had planned. Um, it was clearly also, uh, something that the Lord, uh, had, so much to teach me in that experience. Oh, and sure. then we brought Hope home from Uganda in 2012. So okay. um was about, about 12 years. But um, I, I think that, especially with this quarantine, um, the, the, the thing that I have really been trying to um, focus on is sort of that, um, what do I, what am I still holding on to that's not mine to hold? Yes, I love what you're getting to. This is one of my favorite things that you've coined. Continue. Well, now I'm sitting here wondering what is the term that that holding, thing, holding things closely. Oh, yeah. So, so that has been a, just a revelation. I think that the Lord really brought me to um, because of the quarantine. I have gotten up almost every morning, and and I go to sit outside and and just spend time in the Lord and. You know, so so often as believers, we find so many things to um, keep us from spending time with the Lord. And I yes. think that's the thing that with this quarantine, it's like all those excuses are gone. <laughs> I have nowhere else to go. <laughs> and um, and and because of my cancer history, actually, I am considered high risk. So we have especially really kind of kept ourselves locked up. Except for me being here, right except now. for Alex, we won't, we yes, won't, uh, count that. Uh-uh. So, <laughs> um, but I um, have uh, the Lord has just been very gracious to me, but also sort of been hard on me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it need needed to happen, mm-hmm. and and I think that um, the number one thing that I have realized is. Um, as much as I give of myself, I also have things that I hold on to that aren't mine to hold. Mm-hmm. And um, what the Lord has really showed me or, or challenged me on are what are those things that I am holding too tightly um, that I that I need to release. And so I've really been in a place of of trying to hold things more loosely and and acknowledge when i find myself starting to grip a hold of something mm-hmm. and take control of it again um why is it that i'm that i'm not wanting to let it go yeah. um why is it that um i am holding it so tightly and i and i think for me especially the driving factor is fear yeah um 
fear that, that the Lord's going to take it away from me, number one. Even though we know that he gives and takes away everything. He does. And, and having to acknowledge that if he does take it away from me, it's because he has something even better in store for me. Right. Um, but that's hard to see that when, you know, you, you have something that you're doing that, that you absolutely love. And uh, I have been a... Uh, my husband and I have been married for 27 and a half years. And for 23 and a half of those years, I've been a pretty much a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. And that's where my identity has been, mm-hmm. is being a, a wife and a mom. And, you know, now I'm I'm watching my kids one by one leave the nest and get married. And um, I, I still... Which is crazy because you do not look old enough <laughs> to have kids that are... That's why you're my yeah. favorite, Alex. <laughs> um, no, but, but I... Um, you know, I've I've tried to hold on to my kids too tightly. I've tried to hold on to other things where I found my identity mm-hmm. too tightly. And um, what kinds of things were those? Um, I think so many of us struggle with that, right? That we we find our identity just in the wrong places. I I think definitely again being a stay home mom, and I loved it. It's what I always wanted to do. Um, I did go to college. I got a degree. Um, worked that job for a few years, but I would say I always wanted to to just be a stay at home mom. It was mm-hmm. just something. Um, but I, I did. I found my identity in that. And then as my kids started growing up and making their own decisions, and yes, making mistakes. I did not raise perfect children. Um, Shocker. I know. Uh, but then suddenly I start finding that you know, thinking that, well, their life choices or their life um, decisions somehow reflected on me as a parent. And gosh, gosh. I, you know, didn't. And and so at the very earliest of of stages, it was that even when my kids were little and would mess up it in any way. I mean, it was just, you know, we suddenly start thinking, gosh, that's going to reflect poorly on me as a mom. And um, As so, if you have control over them. exactly, you it's just influence. crazy. I know, but but not control, and but so so that was you know the very first even in my my cancer, the very first lesson that I learned because that was basically a year long battle, and so mm-hmm. I went in a matter of weeks from being my kids' entire source of, you know, their everything. I I was home with my boys all the time to suddenly not even being able to care for the most basic of their needs and not being able to cook dinner for my husband and um, not being able to clean our house and, and finding that I had found my identity in those things. And now that I couldn't do them, I didn't even really know who I was. And did I still have value to my family when I can't even get out of bed for weeks at a time? Um, and, and obviously the Lord worked through that and, and, and this, the, the central focus, of course, is that my value should only come from him and only be in him. And, um, and so I, I just, I, I would say that's probably one of my, my number one, you know, mm-hmm. younger self is hold things loosely and always remember where your value comes from. Uh, and that, um, I'm, I'm never enough unless I'm enough through Christ. That's so good. I love that. I love that. I'm thinking of how much that would have changed uh, changed my trajectory growing up if I knew that because I was definitely always somebody who was striving for value in, in what I did or you know what I could do for people. Well, I think we all are, and I think that the world 
that that's what's thrown at us right now in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I mean, even young girls, the the reality of what they see in the world of who they're supposed to be mm-hmm. is not at all, in my opinion, what what the Bible tells us. Even still, right? Even still, now that we're going through this sort of movement of, you know, own your truth, self-love, you know, you're, you're perfect just the way that you are, you know, you can be who you want to be. I still think that it, we still have this sort of disturbed view of of what our identity is supposed to look like. So this kind of leads me to my to my next question for you because I know you have a tattoo of a really good verse. Um, tell us about that verse and um, you know kind of what we were talking about earlier in terms of what it means to you and and identity for for us as women. So um, one of kind of the just the little little thing about me is that I got my first tattoo when I was 41 years old and I haven't stopped. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, so, I was going to guess sooner because you have so many. No, no. Didn't start till I was 41. Um always wanted to get a tattoo. It was kind of the rebellious side of me. Uh I am a rebel at heart. Rebel at 41. Uh-huh. It did. It finally came out. Got my first tattoo and haven't stopped since. Um but I was trying to kind of identify all of my tattoos are honestly a part of my story. They're part of my testimony. I can walk through my tattoos step by step and okay, and give maybe you my you testimony. Need to share your testimony first in in our life group <laughs> and just walk through it by probably your tattoos. Mm-hmm. That okay. probably you didn't you didn't anticipate that coming from this conversation. <laughs> but um, I I wanted to um, kind of put a Bible verse that. Um, was sort of foundational for me. And you you had asked me, you had said one of the questions you were going to ask me was my favorite Bible verse. And I was like, well, that's kind of a tricky question because it sort of depends on where I am in in that day. Um, And that was actually one of my filler questions, like in case we didn't have enough to talk about, which is funny because (laughs) we always have enough to talk about. (laughs) But so, you know, I, and I had, had said that my life verse is, is James one, starting with verse two, consider it pure joy. And when, when we have trials and, and, but that even bigger than that, I would say that the verse that, um, has been foundational for me is Psalm 139. And, um, and that is understanding that the same God that created the universe and, and that placed every star in the sky knows me and Mm -hmm. created me and before I was even known to my mother, he knew me and he knew exactly who I was to be. And, and in that moment, I already had value. Mm-hmm. And um, it's from the moment that we enter the world then that we we lose our value and, and, and where our value comes from. And so I, I always want to return to that place of realizing that I am fearfully and wonderfully made mm-hmm. from the very first creation of, of being, um, the Lord knew me and, and still knows me. And, and to think that, um, all of the beauty in this world and all of the things that he created, and yet he knows me and he sees me. And he knew the world needed you in it. I guess so. I know you have a hard time believing that sometimes, but it's very true. Well, and I, I think especially as women, um, 
I think if we if we peel away all of the pieces of the onion and if we really get and are willing to be vulnerable enough to get to the depth of our hearts, mm-hmm. I feel like women especially need to be seen and they need to be known. And they and I feel like that's kind of what we're constantly striving for. It's just the problem is we're striving for it in the world. And in the wrong way. Exactly. So we're 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 reaching out to be seen and known from the world standards. Right. Not from the Lord's standards. And not even as we truly are, right? Right. As we want to show up in the world or as we want the world to see us. Yeah. And I and I don't think we do it on purpose. I think that I agree. it's just it's the, that's the world, you know, be not of this world, but not, you know, so good. And, and so I think that, um, that Psalm 139 for me is, is just what I bring it all back to. And I, you know, I have been in, um, girls high school ministry, gosh, since my husband and I were newly married. So over 25 years. And, um, and I think part of the reason I continue um, in high school ministry, I also love just young adult ministry. I mean, that's how you and I got connected is um, the Lord brings me young well, women. It was somebody, no, it was uh, Susan who said, I think you guys need to meet, mm-hmm. which is so funny. Yeah. Um, at a women's retreat that I went to kicking and screaming because... So did I, sort of, because we were so exhausted. And yeah. we were like, uh, do we really need another retreat right now? Yeah. I just, um, again, I, I struggle sometimes with being at <laughs> these, these, you know, women's things because, again, I think we've lost the ability to really be vulnerable and to... Yes, and so it can be exhausting. It can be exhausting, yeah, yeah. To, to feel like you... Have have had to put on this mask, and you can't truly yeah, be yourself. Exhausting. And and so I found that actually my favorite thing to do when I'm at a table of women is to just announce to them that I don't want to be there, and that I don't like to hang out with other women. I love that. <laughs> I have um, said that I need um, I probably need a tattoo that says I love Jesus and like three people, because yeah. um, I I just. It's just funny. It's just a thing about me. I just have a... And yet, so I went to this retreat. But the, that's not true because you've got more than three people in your family. And then <laughs> I know that you love me. That's and I right. know a couple other people. That's right. No, it just... It's just... Um, I I don't know. I went to that retreat. The The women in our life group were all going and wanted me to go. And I, I told them I would go. And then I regretted, didn't want to go. And then ironically, I actually got really sick like 24 hours before. And Mm -hmm. I had to call them all and be like, okay, look, I'm not making this up. I actually have a fever and I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I'm going to get there. And they all started praying and my fever broke. And so I know, so I had no excuse. I had to go. And then the Lord connected us. And, um, but, uh, anyway, the, the, I feel like any young woman that the Lord places in my life, um, whether it be through the high school ministry or um, young adults or young married couples or or whatever, if if I can help them to understand that they are fearfully and wonderfully made, um, then then that's the difference that I want to make in this world because everything is foundational off of that. If you as a woman don't realize your worth, if you don't realize your value, not to the world, but to, to our, our Lord and to our Savior, mm-hmm. and that, that you have a purpose for being here, and um, you, you have 
you're you're enough exactly the way you are but but yet that has to be through Christ it right. can't be through the world you are, are you will never be enough to this world never ever and um and so if if i i feel like if you don't understand psalm 139 then there's nothing else between genesis and revelation that's going to matter because it's not going to um truly so we should just sink. start with psalm 139 start, whenever yeah. we're talking to younger girls I or even so. people who don't know the lord i mean i uh might be a little hard with people who who no actually i i think it would be a great place to start because i kind of like that I, I might try that i think that um my I, my girls um hopefully a memory that they will carry with them um as they grow older is is most nights when i would tuck them into bed um i would read psalm 139 to them but i would insert their name oh that's into so it. good okay this is something that we need to teach women who are raising daughters. Absolutely. Oh, this is so good. And so I, th- I think that, you know, if, if you take, of course, any verse in the Bible, I think that, that, um, that that's how you, you make it actually mean something is to, is to insert your name. But, um, you know, when you specifically take uh, Psalm 139 and, and you put your name into it and it, it just, it just personalizes it and it makes you realize that there's there's really nothing else in this world that that matters except that you um you know you are fearfully and wonderfully made and that that the lord um has already searched you and and knows everything about you and um has surrounded you with his goodness and his grace and um all we have to do is be willing to to open our hands and again let go of the things that we're holding on to too tightly mm-hmm. and and allow the lord to um to to lead you um so i just think that it it and I, I hope it's something that my girls will will remember is is how i read that over them and how i um you know inserted their name into it so i hope so i love that well we are at let's see i think we're at a good stopping point we definitely have a lot to talk about um kristen will definitely be will definitely can i even talk anymore be back um we didn't even get to talk about her ministry which is amazing but i want to thank you again for being my very first person um we definitely prayed over this and actually uh you were like i told you you were the first person that the lord put in my head when he said to make a podcast and i told him no there's too many out there um and then he said no you need to tell people stories um and testimonies and so um super excited to to show everyone this podcast have them hear it um have them laugh at us we could laugh at ourselves um because our value isn't from the world so thank you again Kristen and thank you for listening